5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello, I am Professor Jorge Leal, historian at the University of California, Riverside, and this is The Discursive Power of Rock and Español and The Desire for Democracy. In this episode, we will examine how the meaning of rock and español songs continue to change, or rather, how new generations of Latina youth in Southern California create new meanings and greater sense of cultural belonging with these rock and español anthems. To talk about all of this, I will be joined by Gabriela Lua, another stellar UC Riverside graduate who will soon start her own doctoral program at another University of California campus. We will talk about the songs from Los Prisioneros from Chile and Café Tacuba from Mexico. Speaking of Cafeta, we will check out the students of the Miramonte Music Program in South Los Angeles as they perform their own version of Las Flores, a song from Cafeta Cuba's masterpiece, Red. So, to get ready for our conversation with Gabriela, let's get a bit of the historical context and this band's connections to Los Angeles. Corazones, the album by Los Prisioneros, where Tren al Sur is included, and Café Tacuba's Re, where Las Flores is featured, are two very different albums in terms of sound and also the context of the, their lyrics. Yet they do have some connections. Corazones from Los Prisioneros comes out in 1990, and Café Tacuba's Re is released in 1994. In retrospective, these two great albums are only four years apart. Made in the same era, really. Both are groundbreaking and paradigm-shifting albums for rock and español. Both albums were produced by Gustavo Santalaya, the Argentinian producer who worked on the most iconic rock and español albums of the 1990s and the early 2000s. Santalaya immigrated and settled in Los Angeles in the 1980s after a long career with different rock bands in Argentina. So once he starts producing, it is only natural that he begins to record bands from Latin America in Los Angeles. After all, most of the best music studios at the time were located in Southern California. So, Jorge Gonzalez travels from Chile to Los Angeles in 1989. At the time, he's immersed in all kinds of conflicts with the other Los Prisioneros and pretty much records the majority of the Corazones album all by himself with Santo Alaya. This is the first record where Santa Alaya receives full producer credit for Café Tacuba. Re was their second album, and the one that realized their potential as musicians, and I would argue, as the most accomplished theoricals and practitioners, both lyrically and musically, from Latin America, and we can argue even beyond. The relationship between Café Tacuba, Santa Alaya, and his perennial associate producer, Aníbal Kerpel, began in 1992 with Café Tacuba's debut album, and would continue for the following decades, with Santolaya producing each Café Tacuba album that has ever been released. In terms of the historic context, for Los Prisioneros Corazones, the album comes out at the end of the Pinochet dictatorship, which lasted almost two decades. As a country, Chile was having a gradual democratic reestablishment. The album was not an overnight success when it was released. This was due to the radical change of the Los Prisioneros sound that went from being more punk-infused to Corazones, which was more synth-pop. But it is thanks to Tren al Sur that the album is 
embraced by Chile's audiences. Four is newness. It was fusing more electronic melodies with traditional instruments, such as the charango, this Andean string instrument that you actually hear in the song, which was played by Santolaya. In the case of Café Tacuba, the blending of electronic instruments and Mexican music comes into full force in Re. Moreover, Re's lyrics are a deep examination of Mexican society and the Mexican national identity. Similarly, Re doesn't do well at first in Mexico. In 1994, Mexico was in the middle of a huge political and economic crisis. The indigenous-led SZLN had staged its armed uprising in the mostly indigenous state of Chiapas in Mexico. This shattered Mexico's false image that the country offered economic and social integration for indigenous and the working poor. Then, Luis Donaldo Colosio, the leader presidential candidate for the PRI, was assassinated in March 1994 in Tijuana, probably by insiders of his same party. All this threw the country into a profound crisis. So likely, people were not in the mood to question their own Mexican identity. Most people were just trying to survive and dreading that their country would fall apart any day. Just like many of us thought the U.S. would unravel in 2020 and the early days of 2021. There are different reasons, of course, but I think the commonality, it is this end of an illusion of democracy and threats of a more violent authoritarian regime. Well, people in Mexico were in no mood to examine their Mexican identity through Café Tacuba's Re. The album becomes popular in other places, such as Chile and Colombia. And then, of course, in U.S. cities with large Latin communities, like Los Angeles. Many of the Re songs have become both an incisive questioning, but also a celebration of Mexican culture. And to this day, Re is heralded as Café Tacuba's masterpiece. And it was all recorded here in Los Angeles. Now, to examine the changing meaning of the lyrics in rock and español songs, let's focus on Tren al Sur. As we have discussed in earlier episodes of this series, many of the Los Prisioneros songs, such as El Baile de los Que Sobran, Y Por Que No Se Van, have become protest songs against the dictatorship in Chile and its staunch conservatism. On the other hand, the songs included in the Corazones albums were remarkably different. This dealt with romantic intimacy and heartbreak. These were just still laced with denunciations of classism, but they were much more nuanced uh, lyrics from previous Los Prisioneros songs. The lyrics of Trenal Sur refer to traveling to the south of Chile from the capital of Santiago on a train. That would be the mode of transportation for the working class, and one that would logically take longer than a private car. Hence the chorus, No me digas pobre, por ir viajando así. Don't call me poor for traveling like this. However, the song evokes the joy of traveling back home, a home located in the sur, the south of Chile, which, not surprisingly, is seen as more rural and impoverished than the middle and the northern part of Chile. These are the lyrics at face value, but we now need to acknowledge two more conflicting inspirations for these songs. Jorge González, at the time, was having an affair with the wife of his bandmate, Claudio Narea, the guitar player from Los Prisioneros. Plus, Jorge González also admits 
that the song is an allegory to his first acid trip and a moment where his drug use was ramping up. So taken together, these are less than poetic and joyful inspirations for such an important song. Well, Tren al Sur, thanks to its video play on heavy rotation on MTV Latino, becomes a hit throughout Latin America and also in the U.S. For audiences in Southern California, the song became popular for its embrace of the South that refocused the attention and rekindled a desire to go back to the South, which, geographically speaking, is Latin America. While the song warns against calling the protagonist of the song poor, pobre, for traveling on train, this too can also have a different meaning. The song can be understood to push back against the notion that visiting Latin America was reserved only for poor immigrants or their family members. Also, for many without authorized documentation to travel, even the possibility of themselves or a family member going back to their home country, being able to travel back was an accomplishment all by itself and a joyful one, even when traveling on cheaper modes of transportation. In the case of Mexican families, that would be akin to traveling on a bus back to Mexico as opposed to an airplane. Tren al Sur has transformed into an immigrant anthem in Southern California. The difference is that while many songs that are connected to the immigrant experience emphasize the pain of leaving home and the hardships of being away in a new place, well, Tren al Sur narrates the opposite. Going back to the South, going back to Latin America, and not only physically, but also culturally. Well, at least that's the meaning I drew from the song in the 1990s. But what does Tren al Sur mean for the children of immigrants whose home is Southern California? Hmm. How do the meanings of these songs change over time? And also, what are the different meanings for the different generations of Latines? These are questions that I have grappled with in the many conversations I had had with students at the UCR campus, and specifically with Gabriela. We have discussed how rock and español is now an intergenerational genre, and how many of the songs have different meanings for different generations. So it is only logical to invite Gabriela to think through this together in this episode. Here she is. Hola, Gabriela. Thank you so much for being part of this episode. Let's start with your own introduction. So my name is Gabriela Lua. I am a recent uh, graduate of UCR and an incoming graduate student to UCSB's Department of Chicano Chicana Studies. We're all definitely looking forward to see how your research continues to evolve during your time at UC Santa Barbara. Now, let's take it to the beginning of time. <laughs> um, how did you first learn about Rock en Español? So that's a great question. So I first learned about Rock en Español in my childhood. Uh, I grew up with that music mainly because it was on the radio. Uh, my parents would always put that station, 107.5 uh, K-Love. <laughs> and also there were some discos too. Uh, not discos, necessarily my bad, CDs that they would have. I think the one I remember the most is Caifanes El Silencio. And the song I remember the most um, from growing up was La Cerula Que Explota from Caifanes. I also learned about it, was introduced to it again 
when I was about in high school or when I was in when college because I had a I had bought a record player and I didn't really have records but my mom's side of my family was like oh we have an old record player here in records that nobody really uses anymore so um they luckily brought them back to me and there was three rock in espanol discos in there and it was Los Enanitos Verdes contra el rock and it was a Miguel Mateo disco and then it was a Hombres G disco, but I didn't know it was an Hombres G disco because it didn't have a sleeve or the label, I didn't read it right. And then um, Venecia started playing that song from Hombres G and I was like, this is opera or I don't know what this is, <laughs> you know, the intro to that song, but then it started, it started going. And yeah, that's how I was introduced to um, Rock en Español, mainly from my childhood and again in high school or college. Gabriela, your whole life has been firmly in the 21st century with your coming of age in this very convoluted decade of the 2020s. So what do these songs say to you? So I feel like coming of age uh, in music is something that's really important uh, to examine or just to share, especially when it comes to Mexican-American youth or immigrant youth or those from, you know, Chicano or Chicana backgrounds, Chicana, because our, our identities are so complex. Uh, our identities are really, really complex. And I remember, like, on the way to school, I would listen a lot to Siempre Siempre Puto Cinco. I wasn't completely shut off from other music, but um, I didn't really listen to a lot of outside music from that. And I remember, uh, this is like a personal anecdote, but like going to sixth grade, my, my sixth grade <laughs> promotion dance, everyone was singing the song by like Fun. It was called We Are Young. And everyone was singing it, but I didn't know it. <laughs> I didn't know it because I didn't listen to that. So I guess that was kind of my branching out because naturally when you're growing up, you want to fit in. But I feel like that experience is way different when you come from a, a different identity or complex identity. Uh, so music was very much brought into that. But um, these songs mean uh, a lot to me and I kind of had a reencuentro. So at first I had this reencuentro um, in high school with those discos. Um, and it was fun. I listened to like some of them, um, some of those songs that were on those schools, and then like would also hear still the hits on the radio. Then remember, 2020 happened, and I, I really like how you mentioned the 2020s because 2020 was a very painful year, but it was a year that was very important because we were reflecting a lot on the societal issues that were always happening. It was just becoming a bit more broadcasted. Um, And during, during 2020 um, is when I taught my own R course. Uh, and I remember growing up, I always wanted to be a teacher or teach in higher ed. So this was a very big deal to me. And they let you choose whatever topic you want. So I was like, okay, which topic do I want to choose? <laughs> and I was choosing around my freshman year. And I was like, I want to choose something I really like, which is, you know, learning about societal issues in popular music. And that's what I did. And I had a great mentor, Dr. Sochi Chavez. Um, And she kind of helped me with that syllabus, you know, bring more woman voices into it too. But I was realizing I was looking more at just issues from music I had heard. Um, I had heard, you know, growing up, but also, you know, I, I didn't know why, um, and I'm really glad for Dr. Chavez is, because I didn't know why I didn't look at list music I was already listening to. Uh, like, I know Calle 13 isn't necessarily um, rock in Espanol, but she made me look at Latinoamérica. Pero con orgullo 
orgullo, aquí se comparte, lo mío es tuyo, este pueblo no se ahoga con marullo, y si se derrumba, yo lo reconstruyo, tampoco pestañeo cuando te miro, para que te recuerde de mi apellido, la operación Cóndor invadiendo mi nido, perdono pero nunca olvido, oye... I didn't really know much about the dictatorships. I didn't really know much about um, the conservatism on, you know, these voices and how there was a lot of desaparecidos, a lot of all um, that. And that course um, was also taught during 2020 when we transitioned online. And I remember also getting back into rock in Espanol and listening to, you know, Café Tacuba. And I really want to really thank Café Tacuba for a lot of, you know, my coming of age in music. I remember listening to those hits like Eres and, and uh, Como Te Extraño Memor on the radio, but we didn't really listen to the discography growing up. So I had chose Re um, to listen to, and I was listening to, you know, songs about industrialization. And even though they didn't explicitly say like other songs would, oh, like this politician, this event, it was like, we already knew. <laughs> we didn't know what it was about. And I looked at La Ingrata and... Um, I remember making a change to my syllabus a week before. I don't remember what song I took out, but I was like, I need to have Café Taguba in here because La Ingrata talks a lot about, um, they don't play that song live anymore because of the femicidios, like the, because of how that song kind of suggests some violence towards women. And even though that wasn't the intention it was written with, um, it was something that, you know, wasn't contributing well to the the current societal events. And we looked at the, the renowned, renewed version with, with Andrea, and that was really powerful. So in a way, uh, Rock en Español for me was kind of one, as I'm saying it now, was me kind of reconnecting to my culture, but not just reconnecting to my culture in a way like, you know, learning about this culture or why we do this, but also the issues. Because when you're reconnecting to a culture, you have to also recognize the issues that are attached to it. Um, but it also helped me reconnect to like my more towards my other identity because I'm not just one culture I'm, I'm I'm two cultures and I believe that um that's said in a book um by Julissa Ars I love how she stated that I'm not just one culture I have two cultures and it's true and um Café Tacuba was a really gateway to me like in that because I remember listening to Las Batallas and hearing like oh, what is this about like it's about a book by Jose Emilio Pacheco Pachuco Pacheco my apologies if I mispronounce it and it, I'm so proud of that song because it made me read my first book fully in Spanish and understand it and also understand my family I also have family from Ciudad de Mexico and that book takes place in Colonia Roma Ciudad de Mexico we're not from Colonia Roma but it also talks about like what's going on in that in that era so it was kind of me learning more and there's just one more thing about Café Tacuba I'll stay is with the song Mediodía the live version specifically there's a I remember first listening to the song getting very very emotional because there's a organillo I think I think that's the word organillo 
or like a organ grinder, I believe it's called in English. And the first time my whole family went to Mexico together as a family was when I was four years old. So I don't very, have very much memories of that. When I heard that um, organillo, it took me back, even if like my memory's kind of scattered or I'm sca pushing memories together, it took me back to, to when I was in Ciudad Mexico with, with my mom, my grandma, my siblings. Because I heard, I, I remember being specifically with an organillo and I remember toys that you shoot up and it goes winding down. And and uh, it was really emotional for me because uh, if I had not listened to that song, I mean, I probably would have heard an organillo again some other time, but I think it was just that specific song that made me like really, you know, remember that. And that's what Rock en Español is to me, remembering not just my own, cult my other culture, but also remembering those stories I didn't get to learn historically. Uh, it's not just about the lyrics. It's also about um, other people's experiences with it, like you say in this podcast. It's a place of belonging, too. So that's what it means for me for 2010 to, to the 2010s to 2020s. Wow. I am getting a bit emotional thinking of and remembering those early Cafe Tacuba songs um, and also what they mean to you. And speaking of songs, uh, the students from the Miramonte Music Program have recorded their own version of Las Flores. Why don't we check it out right now? This is Las Flores performed by the students of the Miramonte Music Program. Solo déjame estar junto a ti. Oh, 
And that was Las Flores from Café Tacuba, performed by the students of the Miramonte Music Program. Well, as we were listening to the song, I was reminded of something that you said just a little while ago, which is how this music creates a particular sense of space. So can you tell us about what type of sense or place is created through the music? It's created a space of belonging. I talk a lot about, you know, having a complex identity or not even that, but just, you know, being two cultures or like being here in SoCal, um, trying to fit in. Um, although there is like a lot of Latino community, I feel like it was a shared struggle with everyone. Um, I feel like that the um, Rock in Espanol has called, created a very, uh, a very nice space of belonging. And that's why I don't feel like a gatekeeps or anything, especially with like Club Nocturno that was... It was so nice. I had the like, opportunity to go, but not only that, but just seeing like on social media, like, you know, people be like, yeah, I'm listening to this music again. Not that they didn't before, but I just feel like a very nice uh, space of belonging that I hope um, continues to be like that. And hopefully others have that experience um, with different identities too. Speaking of creating senses and meanings, how do you think the meanings of these songs are different for the people who first heard them at the time these discos were released, to folks in your age group. And perhaps how you have seen this played out intergenerationally at shows. It's different and similar. They're very important because my experience, I feel like kind of parallels a lot of folks' experiences from my age, um, which is we learned these songs from our parents, more, more my mom, if anything. And for me, it's, a way to get to know her more when you bring it back to like you know if when some of these things were released in the 80s it kind of wants me to put myself in her place when they were released so it's, for me that's what it it is it's first kind of listening to those songs and because it brings me closer to my family in a way but also kind of thinking about wow i wonder what it would have been like to be my mom in the 80s and, and make it cool for me it's a way to bond with with another generation in a way because I had the privilege to go to Besa Mucho and that had like a lot of a lot of um, rock en español and even more than that like pop songs Spanish pop songs that we grew up with and um, it's a bit I didn't know I would get so personal in this, <laughs> in this podcast but I went with my mom I made sure my mom went uh, and I the only reason I share that is because when I went there was so many people who went with their moms and their dads or their tios and their tias and I gonna assume like those are the people who introduced into that music and it was kind of like a thank you I'm gonna bring you to this festival now so we can enjoy these memories together and create new ones while remembering your experiences as well I think your earlier mentions of multiple identities and also this intergenerational aspect it's a good segue to talk about Tren al Sur in our conversations on campus at UCR you have told me how people at Club Nocturno dance to this song well because well it's a bop right but also in terms of uh, multiple identities you were the one that told me about the linda lindas performing this song at their shows and we have to think that linda lindas are a group of teenage girls young women whose parents are asian americans and latinx so they were born and raised in southern california as well so I want to ask you, for you, perhaps your friends, people of your generation, what does a song like Tren al Sur mean? So Tren al Sur is a really powerful song. Um, it's an immigrant song. 
if you listen like to the lyrics, uh, you know, you know, that is generally, you know, the general meaning of what the song is. And I remember you mentioning it, like that's, it was released in the 80s, you know, where a time where a lot of people would, would migrate for better opportunities or more economic stability. And that song was kind of an anthem for that, from what I interpreted as. But I remember growing up listening to that song as well. I know the Linda Linda's play, as I, as I mentioned. Um, my friend that actually, I was supposed to go see the Linda Linda's December show with my friend, but it was around Christmas time. I was like, you know, I, I gotta spend on some presents. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I can make it to this one, but next one I will. And I remember um, that night I was listening to Los Prisioneros because I remember uh, learning a bit more about them in 2022, about like how it was, how their music was used a lot, like as an anthem. And I know you talked about it in earlier podcasts, but I remember they had just come out with this serie on Los Prisioneros. And I wanted to like, I was looking so hard to try to like find it and like even get a trial. And, and as I was doing that, my friend uh, sent me a video of that night She's like, look what they they play. They play Tren al Sur. And I was just so shocked because it was so... For me, it was kind of crazy in that coincidence. I was like thinking about Los Pesineros and then she she tells me that Linda Linda's playing them. And for me, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, her name is Isabella, the one who who played it, who says that it reminds her of her, her mom in her early days. And I think she's the one I'm the closest in age to. So she's like about 18, I'm 22. It was like, four year difference, but same meaning, same same reason I like that song. And for me, actually growing up, um, for me, I, I didn't really listen to the lyrics of the song growing up. I just know that one lyric, um, where it's, <laughs> where it's, um, no ves que estoy contento. And that song, I, I attributed it, I, I, every time I hear that song, or when someone hears that song, for me, um, it's a very danceable song as well. I think Club Nocturno posted a, a meme about it the other day too. 
uh, about how when it gets played on the dance floor, like everyone running, you know. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's it's a great song, and it so that song is like an anthem. You know, you hear that song and you don't skip it, and if you skip it, it's because you you can't do it justice in that moment. Um, and for me, when I hear that song, um, I think of that lyric, you know, no ves que estoy contento, because it's not that I didn't speak Spanish growing up or understand it. I did understand it very well, but I don't think I got fully fluent in, in it until college. And um, sometimes I just didn't really like understand or didn't really pay attention to the lyrics. And it's funny because my mom, I, I talk about my mom so much in this, but she's just so influential in this. But Because with other songs, she tells me, escucha la palabra. Like, she's like, escucha la palabra. For me, it, it meant like something, you know, ves que estoy contento. Like, that's not just the lyric he's singing. He like kind of shouts it in the song. Like, I'm I'm happy, you know, que no ves que estoy contento. And for me, I attribute, like, I, I scream that lyric or I yell, not yell it, but like, I, I always sing it when I, when I, here because it's what I understood like that's something I understood from the song and for me it's kind of going back to what rock en español means to me um and not necessarily reconnecting but just like learning more and for me it's like this happiness like I finally got there because you know growing up it's with you know so many identities or you know having two cultures that's something you struggle with growing up can I listen to this genre or like I remember I, I in another conversation I would I told you that like I felt so conflicted listening to two genres or like listening to two different types of music but now I don't care about that now I know it's um I'm finally happy to be fully myself and like now I can you know and not that I was ever ashamed of look I don't I was never ashamed of looking at Espanol but I just wanted to fit in sometimes and listen to other kinds of music and nothing wrong with that kind of music Um, if anything, like it kind of influenced my taste now, but I now can like confidently like love Rogan Espanol and, you know, go to Club Nocturno, yell these songs, sing, sing them with my mom, you know? Um, and that's what um, this song means to me. And like I, that lyric, the one that I remember the most, I know that this song can mean something different to somebody who came here, immigrated here. Um, but for me, it, Um, somebody who, you know, did grow up in an immigrant household, but I was not an immigrant myself. And it, it means that to me. It means that happiness that I'm finally able to, you know, like what I want to like.
Now, speaking of what you like, what are some contemporary bands, artists that you listen to that might have that rock and espanol vibe? I can think of a couple, but I, I think I'm going to go into two. And I'll start with uh, Friolento, which is a Chilean band. Let me first describe Friolento. So Friolento is a Chilean band who also have that post-punk look, that very Robert Smith. Uh, I think they, they love Robert Smith from what I've seen. Uh, they love Robert Smith and they, they're very full out in their appearance and their commitment to, to it, to the goth look. And Friolento is really famous for doing post-punk covers. And they do post-punk covers of reggaeton. So they do a lot of Bad Bunny covers. They do Karol G covers. They do a lot of mainly Bad Bunny ones. But they also, what surprised me is that they don't just do reggaeton covers. They do older classic songs like La Gata Bajo La Lluvia by Rosy Urcal. And arguably that's their best song. From, in my opinion, that's my favorite song from them. And I, I love them so much for that. Uh, because they, in a way, remind me of Caifanes' essence. Because Caifanes did that with a cumbia. They took a cumbia and they made it goth. They took the La Negra Tomasa and they, they made it their own style. And this is exactly what that band did, Friolento. They made like these these hits, like this genre. I guess cumbia, well, cumbia's always been big, but, you know, in, in Latin America, cumbia's a big genre. Um, and Caifanes took that and made that their own song, their own style. Whereas right now, reggaeton, and reggaeton has always been a big genre, especially um, in the 90s. But um, right now, it's very popular again, you know, with Bad Bunny, Karol G, and all these very, these good artists. But it's, I'm, taking, I'm taking that into account because it's very popular now. So Friolento took that popularity of the, the genre that I'm sure they enjoy and made it their own. So that reminds me exactly of the rock and espanol vibe. So first, um, Friolento, and I would heavily encourage everyone to listen to them. They're so good. <laughs> And second, um, another artist that reminds me of that rock and espanol vibe is an artist called um, Mon Laferte. I've liked her for a while. Um, and I know I, at first, when I said that answer, I was like, well, she doesn't sound rock and espanol, but it's not necessarily the genre of her music. It's the artistry and her, her identity and her essence and spirit that I feel like exactly parallels um, the rock and espanol vibe and she's also Chilean now that I think about it she's also Chilean and I feel like she parallels a lot of you know what Chilean artists did or even just Rock and Espanol artists did in back in the 80s because her songs um her songs aren't just um although I love all her discography um there's some songs that she has that she talks about issues and even if she doesn't explicitly talk about the issues, she's very vocal about the issues in, in her country, in Chile, because Chile's issues didn't stop in the 80s. There's right now in Latino America, as right now, one of the biggest issues right now is femicidios. And she's been very, very vocal about that. 
And one of her songs that she does with another artist, I apologize for not remembering her name right now, but um, Cancion Sin Miedo, like that's an anthem for the femicidio protests. And, you know, when people are sharing their stories, um, she also talks about, you know, police brutality um, and how she did that very brave uh, presentation of herself uh, in protest to Chile and police brutality and uh, rape and femicidios and abortion rights. So for me, I think it's not necessarily the genre of her music, but her essence and her artistry and the way she approaches music as an artist is very, very, um, very rock and espanol vibe for me. Gritamos por cada desaparecida Que retumbe fuerte, nos queremos viva Que caiga con fuerza El feminicida Thanks for these recommendations. Now as a way to wrap up, what other reflections would you like to share regarding this music and also the intergenerational aspect of it? I'm really appreciative that you reached out to me to be um, somebody to speak on, you know, this generation. And I guess I want to echo that. Um, although I feel like my experience with Rock in Español might be similar with other folks, it might not be exactly the same, but I'm really happy to share my story. And I, I hope that folks can find some, for my generation, find some um, similarity or like just something in it that um, they feel represents them. Um, and yeah, I just really, I, I really love this coming of age, I guess I've had with Roque en Español, because I, I, one thing I want to emphasize is how I had like different reencuentros with it, which was first, you know, in my childhood and then again in high school or like early college and then 2020, which was when I looked at it more critically and I'm continuing to look at it more critically because I feel like sometimes I don't really necessarily feel a gatekeeping, um, vibe in the rock and espanol community at least in my generation um but sometimes it is a bit intimidating <laughs> because you hear these references yeah this is when um this is when he left the band and i'm like oh i didn't know that <laughs> like i didn't know that so it's also like learning and not only that but also learning like and i'm still learning like as i'm like listening to your podcast especially on um episode three like with long hair and, and latino medico i had no idea about that and then anitos verde song that was playing in the background like i there's a lot of things I'm learning, and I guess I can say that it's, I guess Rogan Español can be a bit intimidating, but I don't think it's a gatekeeping community, and it's just a bit intimidating to learn all this new information. At the same time, it's important because we can always have, like, different, um, learn more about what it is, and also just learn about more narratives on it. So it's kind of like a cycle that I hope never really stops in the next generation. I'm kind of excited to see what the next generation is. Well, me too. I'm definitely excited to learn how these new generations will make new meanings of these songs and actually I'm kind of uh, well as I was listening to you I'm a bit emotional because uh, first I never thought that um, I was going to be talking about this song so many years after they were released or when I first heard them but most importantly how songs and other type of cultural expressions allow us to learn about our history um, gives us that window and well 
not only that, but you know, by listening to them, we can not only think of new presents and ultimately build new futures. So, okay, I'm cantinfliando here now, but I'm definitely, you know, uh, makes me um, quite inspired and yes, a bit emotional. But anyways, uh, Gabriela, thank you so much for taking the time and also sharing so much uh, in this episode. Thank you for having me, uh, Professor. It was a real privilege to be here and I'm, I'm always happy to share. In this episode, we heard a version of Las Flores by Café Tacuba. The version here is performed by the students of the Miramonte Music Program in South Los Angeles. From Café Tacuba themselves, we listen to Las Batallas and Mediodía, this from their more recent Segundo Unplug album. Plus, we also heard Calle 13 with Latinoamérica. Gabriela's recommendations included in this episode are Friolento, with the cover of La Gata Bajo la Lluvia, and Vivir Quintana, a dueto con Mon Laferte, with Canción Sin Miedo. And yes, we listened to several versions of Tren al Sur. A live version from Los Prisioneros at Villa del Mar in 1991, this was at the apex of their career. We also heard the Linda Linda's version, which was performed at the Corona Capital Festival in Mexico City this past November 2022. Make sure to check out the episode notes on the podcast website, either RSSS or Spotify, so you can review the books and articles and do further research on the songs, the bands, or the history. I am Professor Jorge Leal, historian at UC Riverside. This podcast series features the collaboration of Jose Vergara, director of the Miramonte Music Program, and the students who are part of the Miramonte Modern Band. We're also very thankful for the support of the University of California Humanities Research Institute. This episode ends our summer 2023 season of the discursive power of rock and español and the desire for democracy, or el rock en español y el deseo democrático. So, what's next? Well, we'll get back to creating new episodes once the fall academic term starts. But perhaps that would be once a month or whenever our academic duties allows us to. We're very thankful for all the collaborators of the podcast, for people sharing the podcast, writing about the podcast. But most importantly, we're thankful for you for listening in, sending us your comments, your feedback, your likes. So if you got this far, please keep sending your messages. We would like to hear from you whenever you hear this podcast, either in 2023 or in the future. Mil gracias y hasta la próxima. <laughs>